And college kids are as moldable as they come if we, you know, kind of provide them with the right resources and kind of whatever's going to drive them to keep going. Um, you know, a freshman who has a rough year can turn around and be a great senior and you're all conference freshmen if they don't kind of keep doing what they're supposed to do can easily kind of fall out of the lineup pretty quick. All right, welcome to episode four of the Player Pursuits podcast. I'm your host, Alex Shattuck. We have a really great guest this week, uh, George Mason Golf head coach, Greg Pazinski. And we're going to talk kind of all thing college golf, nothing new here. Our second guest, if you listen to that one, Michael Burson, we kind of dove into that world and we want to keep at it. It's a fun one. It's one I'm comfortable in. And it's one I want more people to know about. So welcome to the show, Greg. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got it. So George Mason, for those that don't know, is a is a very good mid-major school in Northern Virginia. Um, why don't we kind of start by talking about what your college golf season looks like this year? You have some incredible tournaments and courses on the docket. Yeah, um, we're currently halfway through it. Gol uh, Division One men's golf is a dual season. So you basically get 24 competition days uh, and you could spread them out however you'd like through throughout the season. So, um, so yeah, we have five fall events and then five regular season spring events and then our conference championship. So um, yeah, most, most teams kind of go about half and half, but you're, you're free to split it up however you want. So yeah, we had a good fall. Um, we had um we had uh, basically an event. Our first event was uh, at, in Turning Stone, uh, New York, where they used to host the PGA Tour event, uh, hosted by Boston College. We finished third there. And then we um, we had uh, Davidson's event, who's our, been our conference champion uh, down near Charlotte. Uh, we finished seventh there. And then we played uh, in Tampa at South Florida's event. Uh, we finished ninth there in a very good field. And ironically, what we are learning with the new rankings, we actually had got the most uh, national ranking points uh, for our ninth place finish there than we did for our third place finish. Uh, and then we played uh, a great course in Dayton, Ohio, NCR Country Club. Illinois was there, as well as Marquette, the uh, Big East champs. And we finished seventh again there. And then we... Uh, Finished it out in Greensboro um, at their event. They're top top forty right now, ranked. And uh, same thing, seventh seemed to be kind of our, our common finish. So we were very consistent. Um, we had um, we had four different guys uh, garner top uh, twenty finishes, and several of them multiple. And uh, actually, we had a fifth. We had a guy as an individual in the last event. A freshman Sam Brown finished 18th. So, yeah, it's it's we have a young team and uh, the future is bright. And then we open up the spring uh, here in th three weeks. We go to Puerto Rico, um, and then we'll host an event at Mid Pines in in mid March. And then we go to William and Mary's event uh, down in Golden Horseshoe. And that's my alma mater. Just yeah, for those that don't remember. Yes, yes, exactly. So. Uh, <laughs> Very good uh, golf course, as you know, and um, we're looking forward to that. And then we go out west to Seattle, to Chambers Bay, where they played the, the U.S. Open. And that that's spectacular. That's a great experience. And then we... Elite, that was my last college event was out there, that, really? that tournament. So, yeah, I'll be excited to kind of see how you guys do out there. Our weather was, we played in it this past year, and the weather was 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 pretty decent. The year before, they canceled the whole tournament. <laughs> uh, which would have been a bummer. And um, and then we finish it up at Penn State where I played. And sadly, it'll be the 20 year anniversary of of uh, of my victory there. So that I can't believe it's 20 years. And uh, then our conference down in Orlando. So no, you guys, you guys schedule unbelievable. I mean, in the spring, you guys are going to have a blast. There's just so many good courses on that list. And speaking of Penn State, let's talk about your background. You've kind of been on different parts of the industry, um, at clubs, coaching, obviously playing. Um, you know, you really have one of the best backgrounds um, in the college golfing world right now. So let's kind of talk about that. I'd love to hear more about your 
playing experience in and right out after college? Yeah, thanks. Um, it's I've definitely worn a lot of hats. Um, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but um, yeah, I had a great time. I'm from Pennsylvania, so uh, to play for Penn State is it was a you know a kind of a dream come true, and I, I had an unbelievable experience, and a lot of it is kind of how I I I kind of uh, take those experience and 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 mold them into what we can do here. And, um, yeah, so it was, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, I redshirted my first year, which was very common for, for players in our program with our, our coach was, was old school in that sense. And that was, that was a big challenge, right? You're, you're all of a sudden, uh, practicing and playing and working out and you have no chance to play in a tournament. So, so that that took a lot, and then you're you're working on things, and that's a good and a bad thing when you have uh, a you know almost a year to work on things because you can overdo things or you can you know whatever. So yeah, that that was that was definitely left an impression on me, and so I don't you know even though I had success after that, I, I don't forget about that, and I don't forget about for those guys on our team going through transitions like that. Um, I remember what that was like. And fortunately, the, the hard work paid off and I qualified for our first event uh, that next fall, actually at Wisconsin. He, he, he might have, your prior host was probably the coach then. And I came out guns blazing and, and shot five under my first round, was, was tied for the lead, five under the second round, had a four shot lead and tournament record. And and Penn State 36 hole record. And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't win the tournament, but I still managed to uh, have a really good finish fourth. And that kind of gave me the confidence to, to that I could play at, at, at a high, you know, college level. And I, I think I ended up with three top tens in that, that first five events that I had. And, you know, fortunately I, I, I didn't have to worry, worry about looking over my shoulder and, and playing. Um, and, and yeah, I had a great, great, um, career there, really strong first two and a half, three years. I, I finished fourth in the East regional, um, up at Yale back. Uh, we played with Florida, who's the number one team in the country and North Carolina. And, uh, so yeah, so I, I didn't play as well. My, my fifth year, we lost a lot of the guys, uh, that I was friends with. So again, that was a big transition year. Uh, we went through three different assistant coaches when I was there with our success. Um, and proudly, uh, you know, we, that, that one year I, I did win, uh, the Penn state event and, and we went on to, um, finish second as a team in the, that regional at Yale. And, um, we finished 15th in the, in the country that year. We're still, we were the second team at that time uh, to make NCAA finals from Penn State, but we're still the only team to make the NCAA finals cut. So um, we wear that with with pride. So, yeah, it's a great experience and it's special for me to get to go back to my alma mater and uh, and share that with my team. Yeah, no, that and for those that don't, you know, know college golf, I keep encouraging everyone to follow it more closely. But that career is is very, very impressive. Um, you know, every event you got, oh, we can say 12 teams on average, 15 teams on average, five to six players, depending on who's bringing an individual. Um, you know, it's 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 not like, you know, your basketball, your football is one on one or wins. No big deal. Um, winning a collegiate event is is a huge, huge deal. Um, so Greg, where, where did you head after college? Yeah. So like I mentioned, I, I got off to a really hot start my first three years and then my last year, I, I didn't play nearly as well as I had. And, um, but my goal was to go to Q school. I just wanted to go to the PGA tour Q school, you know, try my dream. Uh, and I didn't really know how I was going to do that. Uh, my parents didn't have any money to give me. And it was, again, over $5,000 just for the entry fee. So I don't know. I, I But I, I went on the website, printed out the application, had all the info. And my plan was, you know, I was fortunate with my resume. I'd played in a lot of the bigger um, amateur events. 
But I was like, I need to get my game and fix my flaws to get to a point where I can beat, you know, I can make it through and 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 look someone in the eye, an investor or somebody, and say, hey, I'm good enough to get through this confidently. And the other thing that had given me a bit of a confidence was the the year before the guys I had come into college with um, had had graduated and gone to Q school and five of them made it out and did really well their their first year. JB wow. JB Holmes was one, Nick Thompson was another, Camilo Vajegas, Jeff Overton. So when you're playing with these guys, you you see that a lot more now, but at that time um it wasn't very common and they came right out and I said, "Well, hey, I played with those guys, I beat those guys, like why not me?" So that that was helpful, but um so yeah, I just wanted to work on my game, get it to a point where where I could do that and so I, I was just going to play in like the state amateur state open, uh, which were good events and the club championship. My dad's friend had got me a junior membership at the country club because um, that had a nice range. And uh, previously I didn't really have access to that. So um, their members, you know, had the means to, 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 you know, help me out if possible. So I was like, I'm just going to play in the club championship. And I'm going to play so good that, you know, it's going to open their eyes. And and the course had hosted a, a corn fairy event that I had played in in college um, and, and played well in the first round, but but missed the cut. Um, so that was the goal. So I, I, I did that and I shot three rounds in the 60s. I think I won by like 15. It was a very challenging course. So um, anyway, we 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 went through that, but it wasn't until about a couple of weeks later. And I, I was really clicking, playing well, shooting kind of mid sixties every round. And I was playing with my a dentist and, and a friend of his who I didn't know. And this is a story in of itself, but it, his name was, they called him big daddy. So it was a big Italian guy smoked a stogie about 12 inches long. And he maybe spoke three words the whole round. And again lo and behold I shot 65 that day and we went in for for a drink afterwards and and my buddy the dentist is really like yeah Greg wants to go to Q school we should help him out and you know whatever and this other this guy's just sitting there kind of quiet and nodding and and again it's one of those weird moments where preparation meets opportunity I had like this 10 page the application printed out in my car like whatever, like in case maybe somebody magically came came up. So I ran out. So the, the big guy finally, big daddy finally says, "What's it going to take?" So I'm doing the math. So I run and get it. I said, "Well, five grand for the entry fee plus expenses. I don't know, fifteen to twenty grand to go all the way through." And that was the first year they initiated the pre-qualifying stage. So he goes, "All right, I think you should do it." That's all he said, and. I remember for whatever reason, you had to pay with your own credit card. You couldn't use somebody else's. And my credit card only had a $4,500 limit on it. So I was like, well, that's good to know. And the deadline was like less than a week away. So I said, I just, but I, I kind of need the money like now. <laughs> and so he goes, okay, this is what we're going to do. We'll give you the money for the, you know, I think it was 2,500 first, the first installment. And then we'll we'll give you a series of checks, and if you keep going, we'll we'll give you a couple of checks um, to pay your expenses. So that's that's what I did. I got Raleigh, North Carolina, made it through there, and then um, I went to uh, or no, sorry, I went to Athens, Georgia first, got through there. Then Raleigh, North Carolina, got through there. Then I I got Houston, Texas. And this was the first one that was like had tour players in it and guys that I pl I played a practice round with Neil Lancaster and mm -hmm. he had won a couple times on tour was in his mid forties and um, and you needed a, it was caddy mandatory because at this point I think it's on TV so I had carried my bag so they were all making fun of me during the practice round and all the caddies were in the parking lot trying to solicit bags and. Um, the one guy had asked me, I said, Oh, what's your rate? He goes, normal rate for the week. I didn't know what that meant. So I asked Neil and, uh, he goes, Oh, that's about a thousand. 
well, holy crap, a thousand bucks. You know, I don't. All right. And, and the one thing Big Daddy had told me, he said, you know, don't go cheap. You know, make sure you're not sleeping in your car or doing. You Everyone know, needs a Big Daddy in their life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like, all right. And um, so, yeah, so um, I ended up talking. And so Neil said, I'll tell you what, bro, if, if if I can get the guy down to 850, do you want it? Well, he went and got his caddy's brother. So, and he, I don't think he knew the golf course. And the course was Deerwood Country Club, which they filmed Tin Cup on. Mm -hmm. So the fourth hole there is the eighth famous 18th hole where he keeps hitting it in the water. And the driving range is where he's shanking it. And so, yeah, it was a unique experience. So I go out and I have like one of the last tee times. It's blowing 40 miles an hour. And I shoot. And I'm tied for the lead when I came come in. So my phone's blown up. It, it wasn't as widely, you know, I guess, promoted online and everything. I was like, all right, still three more rounds. I think I had to finish top 25. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, the last round, I'm like 30th or 28th going in the last round. And my goal was just to be one under going to the last, like, three or four holes because there were two par fives in the last four. And I'm one hole away and there's a par three, 185 with water all around. And I was between a five and six iron and I hit the five, flushed it, went over the green into the backwater. I made a triple, birdied three out of the next four to finish for even par and to just miss. So that was kind of uh, my experience, but it was a great experience. And anyway, uh, it propelled me anyway to have the confidence to keep going. And um, I had a big daddy got and three others. Uh, I got 30 grand to kind of go on my way to start my professional career. And I played for about almost five years. And uh, uh, so, yeah, so use that. And then I, I one of the guys uh, joined a new club in, in Jupiter that, I went down and I, I worked part-time there and that turned into me working there for the winter and making money. And then I would use that money and the money I won to play in the summer. Um, so that, yeah, that was kind of what I did for about five years. And then that got me into working at a golf course. And then in about 2014, I got a call from a club up in Boston that was hoping the hosting the mass open that I played in every year and I actually finished second the one year in it. And they were like, Oh, we'd love to hire you as an assistant pro. And I'm like, well, I've worked at golf courses, but mostly outside. I don't really know how to, you know, do anything uh, in a, in a golf shop. They said, that's okay. So they flew me up and offered me the job. And uh, I had heard all the stigma about, well, when you work at a course, you don't never get to play. And, and one of the guys that I knew well and trusted, he had his business partner lived in that town. And, and so I did it for two summers. It was, it was a tough experience. Um, and yeah, and then uh, that led me to also, that's where I first got to coach uh, a college team. Uh, a family friend of mine, their nephew got the job at Assumption College and he needed help uh, with, they had, were starting a women's team. So he needed help with the men's team if if they were going away at the same time. So that made a big impression on me. I took the team up to Vermont and uh, they almost, they did, weren't going to let me go because my, my background check didn't clear. So there was something, a whole fiasco with that. That first led me to how universities work. And, and so I said, well, that's not right. I'm so they told me, well, you could drive up on your own at your own accord. So they sent like a, a grad assistant on the basketball team who just slept in the van the whole time and it snowed. So he had shorts on. So, uh, so I, I went there and I was helping one of the guys who was a senior in the bunker. And he, he said, coach, I don't know how to get out of bunkers, which I thought was a pretty <laughs> wild statement. And so after the practice round, I told the other guys to practice putting because their putting wasn't too good. And I went down to this bunker, um, with this kid and, and, you know, for the first hour, it was just blade, 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 chunk, chunk, blade. Chunk. And I was like, so we moved his ball, you know, the same basic 
fundamentals, move the ball forward, open the stance and accelerate. And finally he starts getting it. So he hit some good shots. So I was like, all right, 90 minutes later, you know, the guys were all starving, ready to go to dinner. And we go up there and I'll never forget. He said, coach, thanks so much for helping me in the bunker. He goes, you know, in eight years of organized golf between high school and college, no one's ever helped me like that. And that was the, the statement that was just like, wow, that's powerful. And the funny thing was the net, that when the tournament started on about the third or fourth hole, I see the kid and he's waving me over frantically. And I go over to him and say, hey, what's up? And he goes, I'm in a bunker. I said, yeah. And he goes, well, I can't remember. What were the couple things that we talked about yesterday? And I mean, he has the most basic like 15 yard greenside bunker shot, but there was a, there was a creek or a water hazard just on the other side. So if he bones it like he had been doing, he was going to hit it in the hazard. So I, I told him. Welcome to college golf, right? Yeah, that, exactly. That's college golf in a nutshell. <laughs> correct. So I said, hey, open the face, uh, ball forward, accelerate. And then the last and most important thing, I said, don't think, just hit it. So he hit it and he hit a good shot about eight feet, missed the putt. But he goes, I said, hey, great shot. And he was so excited. His his parents were there. And he said, coach, I to be honest, I didn't even see the ball. I, my, I, I think I closed my eyes. I was so nervous. But yeah, so that was, I was like, all right, well, um, man, I would love to. I was in Boston. There's a lot of universities. And as you know, a lot of the model for Northeastern schools, the coaches are part-time and, you know, the Harvard coach was the teaching pro at uh, the country club. So I was like, maybe this is a way, because I, I couldn't, unless you go to your alma mater and my my best friend and, and teammate was the assistant at Penn State at the time, he's now just got the head coach. So I was like, how do you get in? I, you know, so that's kind of was my my strategy in the back of my mind. And that led me through all these other uh careers and um yeah and then uh I, I left there and I was like well I really like teaching the game that's fun so maybe I could teach golf uh at a club or something so um ironically there was uh my 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 Boston guys they were putting together a uh a, a business plan for for a golf academy out there and they they raised five million bucks for what's now core academy uh, very successful. And they wanted me to partner with, with the founder, uh, Bill McInerney. And he had one other guy under him and they're like, we want you to partner with him. And, um, we think, you know, he's a brilliant instructor has a great model and a great thing going. And, uh, I think your, your strengths would complement each other in a business sense. And, um, so yeah, so that got delayed two years in litigation and other stuff. So I ended up being offered a job from one of the assistants I worked with who got a head pro at Manor Country Club in Rockville. So I went there, did that for four years, enjoyed it. And I interviewed for Catholic University's job. They were getting their golf team back and I was down to the final two. I thought I was going to get it. And then out of the blue, um, they were like, I didn't hear from them for a month. They said they were going to make the decision in the next week. I'm going, what the heck's going on? Well, here, um, they ended up uh, uh, the legendary Bob Dolan at Columbia. I think his brother was a coach at Shepherd University, and they ended up he was interested. So they ended up interviewing him, and uh, I think that's where they practice at Columbia. So, um, so it was again a blessing in disguise, and um, yeah. And then uh, fall so, winter of two thousand nineteen, I was in Florida, and one of the guys I had played professionally with had done a clinic for GW and said, um, there, well, I'm giving you my whole background. Sorry. But, um, but yeah, about getting into college golf and, um, their assistant was, was, um, was, was leaving and I was right there. And so I did that in the fall of 2019. And I remember thinking in, uh, <laughs> Labor Day, we drove to somewhere in Gettysburg, a public course to, to practice. And one kid had a peanut allergy. Another kid had another problem. And I'm going, what am I doing here in the middle of nowhere on Labor Day weekend? And 
Um, so yeah, so that was a great experience and I was still, um, teaching. And then I got a call from the Richmond coach who was my old assistant said, Hey, George Mason, uh, job is open. And I think they'd hire you if you applied. So that's how I got here. Well, I think everything always kind of works out for a reason. Cause I think you're in a great spot and you obviously offer a lot to, uh, the university. So when you get to Mason, um, you know, I, I played in the region not that long ago, you know, I'm sure it wasn't exactly, um, you know, in a position that a competitive person wants to have the program. So what you come in and what, what are your first moves to kind of change the culture, change where the team's at? Yeah. So that, that's the understatement of the year. So <laughs> the, um, well, first uh, the timing of when I got, I got hired in February, 2020, so it was literally three weeks before their first spring event. So, you know, working for uh, a government and public institution, there's a million background checks and certifications you have to get. And so that was a whirlwind in and of itself, let alone, you know, as opposed to getting hired in, in, in the summer and having that and, and then knowing the team. And so that was a, a weird circumstance uh, right off the bat. And uh, then literally a month later, COVID hit. So, so yeah, I remember, um, you know, seeing the team was ranked like 232 or something out of 300 division one teams and, um, you know, trying to just get information because, um, you know, how much scholarship money do you have? Uh, like, where do we, where do they practice and play? Well, we don't have a facility. We usually go here a few days. And so it was definitely like, you know, my analogy was it was like taking over a, a restaurant that had been poorly run and, um, you know, condemned and, uh, and, and come in and like restaurant makeover. You had to redo the whole interior uh we had to hire like you had you know train retrain your staff had to improve the food because you know as you could probably appreciate um you know george mason was not really well respected in the college golf community and and you know like for instance william and mary you know mid-major but they they're an established program in a sense in terms of fundraising and you know, hosting a home event and, you know, doing and having a good alumni relationships, um, you know, which are pretty standard. And, and obviously, you know, any school in the mid-major kind of level has their challenges, but, you know, we really had no infrastructure. So that was kind of, there were so many things that needed to be tackled. So I just tried to, uh, I guess, prioritize them. And in a sense, once COVID hit, you know, so anyway, we, we went to, and just, it was, um, you know, there was an interim, I guess, coach was the assistant who had just played like two years before that. And again, nobody had any records of anything like, like it was just bizarre. Like there was, as you could imagine, like, most of the rest of the athletic departments, like golf is kind of its own thing, right? You don't, you don't, unless you're, you're like at Penn state or one of the few places that have their own golf course, you know, you're, you're playing somewhere else, you're practicing somewhere else. And uh, it's not the traditional athletic experience. So you don't really run past the other team through the, you know, through the gym and yeah. 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 Golf's other than got its own little weird little place in college athletics for sure. Yeah, exactly. You you know, you might work out, that might be the one common or study hall, but other than that, like, yeah, it, it's, it doesn't have that common feel. So um, first was just to find out as much as I could. And then I remember meeting and saying, Hey, we're about to have our 50th anniversary of the, of the university. And I don't know anything about the history of the program. I don't know who the prior coaches were or who our lettermen were there's nothing on our website like so first I, we need to try and uh you know find this stuff out so we even know who to reach out to and you know let alone we don't have names let alone emails or addresses or or whatever so um so yeah so that was 
and then the weird thing we we played one tournament in florida it was my first event and then a couple of weeks later we were hosting over spring break back-to-back weekends up at mission inn outside orlando and that was that thursday was we hosted the first event and then the second event i had to cancel um as the world basically was ending how we knew it when they were canceling the the nc uh basketball games so then we literally everybody just left and um yeah we so we practiced the next fall but no competitions but that was a way for us me to kind of take care of or, or do some other stuff outside the program um and yeah so that's you know, the first thing was again, like recruiting, okay, that we're in a great area for golf. Virginia has great players absolutely, and great instructors and, and great junior golfers and great facilities. So um, we are a public institution. So we didn't, you know, we have less than half of the athletic money available uh, by the NCA rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, well, we have a great value if we target in-state guys. And not only that, I just wanted to change the perception of the program locally. And so, uh, you know, that's one thing I learned being from Pennsylvania and playing at Penn state was, Hey, you always, even, you know, the, 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 the biggest of blue chip players and recruits, you know, show them the, the attention and the, the respect, uh, even if, you know, there's really no, realistic chance that they're going to come here but it's just hey they're friends with everybody else and their word matters so if if they have a good impression of us and um then that word were spread so again like a restaurant word of mouth is the best marketing you can have for anything so that was really the grassroots kind of thing and me having connections with a lot of the other instructors that's kind of was was the starting point The game of golf. It's both challenging and rewarding, requiring focus, concentration, and the ability to tune out outside distractions. Peak performance is achieved through a synergy of body and mind. Shell Golf Apparel is designed with advanced textile technology that moves with you, with four-way stretch and moisture-wicking properties that keep you cool and dry. Visit shell.shop today and get 40% off the entire golf collection using promo code PLAYERPURSUITS. Now, back to the podcast with your host, Alex Shatek. Yeah, you have a a great opportunity in, in a great region that has a lot of resources that were underutilized to get in contact with the types of kids that you want. And yeah, you can't change an entire program overnight, but you can easily start making incremental strides there. So you got there in 2020. It's now been four years, which is kind of the time where now your first recruits are starting to be kind of the elder statesmen on the team. Now is probably when you get to see a lot of the fruits of that labor. Yeah. So what ended up happening with, with COVID, we, um, we ended up only having six guys um, come back. And I think f- from all that fallout, a couple people, you know, stayed at home or stayed wherever they were. And, you know, the hard part was the NCA put in a recruiting ban during that time. So we couldn't go watch kids play and they couldn't come visit here. So I, again, I didn't want to commit to somebody Um without vetting them properly and you know because again a scholarship's only a one-year contract or commitment it's not four years uh but that was always how i viewed it and it was a four-year commitment so i didn't want to commit to someone for four years and and be stuck with somebody that maybe wasn't a great teammate or wasn't wasn't um, a good fit so i was a little more conservative and and targeted in that approach. So we ended up having five guys and then I needed um, another guy. So um, we, I, I was taking walk-on tryouts and um, I had three kids that were interested and 
one of the kids uh, was from Leesburg and he, his brother was, was, he was coming from Nova a community college and um, his brother was, was going to be going to UVA. And so he ended up playing eight rounds between like the Virginia state amateur and the Eastern amateur. And he played well, I think he made the cut and had eight rounds, no rounds over 74. I don't think so. I said, Hey, um, that was your qualifier you're in. We had the other two guys and, and I remember I told him, okay, three rounds and you have to, you know, I think shoot under whatever it was, um, basically three over per round. Um, and if you don't break 80 in the first round, you don't, you don't move on. That's the cut. And these two guys, um, the one guy was so nervous, his hand was shaking. I remember trying to tee the ball up. So you know, again, I, I didn't want to try and, you know, it was hard enough for them. I, did, I wanted to create a welcoming thing and give them a chance. And, you know, neither one of them played well. One kid was smoking a jewel, uh, <laughs> there you go. going over the rules on the first uh, tee. And, um, yeah, and they both shot in the mid-80s. But they, I, they wrote me a really nice, you know, thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity and whatever. Um, so, yeah, so we went with six guys. And, um we got, um, so yeah, so we went ahead and, and one of the good stories with that is, uh, that first spring, um, we, uh, we had a kid previous, I, that was my first full year. Um, but the previous spring we had a kid who was a senior had never played and he, um, he was, we took all six guys cause we only had six guys and he played as an individual, our first two events in Savannah and, and and um in Oldfield in Hilton Head and his scoring average was 83 for the six rounds. He broke 70 80 once. So he's working and the wind's blowing and he just he just hit the biggest slice in the world. Like you would never believe it. Like I it's like how did he even get to this point? I don't know. So but he was a great kid, hard worker. And the one day he's hitting balls and the wind's howling left to right. And he's just hitting these big peelers. And, you know, I'm seeing ball after ball. It's like at some point as a human, you have to try and do something different. So I just said to him, I said, hey, I said, you know, you understand what makes the ball go to the right? I said, your your club face is to the right. So how do we make it, you know, square or go to the left? There's a couple things. So anyway, and so after what we said, okay, try this. And he pull hooked one and he, you know, was like, Oh, I said, no, that's actually good. That's the first ball I've ever seen you hit not go right. So, you know, we said, all right, now try and swing a little out to the right. They'll do the same thing. And he hit this nice little draw. And all, I remember the whole team just like, Whoa, like nice shot. And, and anyway, um, we played our next qualifier and we had all open qualifiers and, if you want it, you were in and he tied for low. So I said, you're playing our next turn. He, I couldn't believe it. I don't think anyone could believe it. They're like, coach, what are you doing? Like you're setting us up for, for doom here. And it was the event we host at mid pines. It was the first year we were having it. And lo and behold, he's in the, in, I think eighth place going into the last round. So I told him, um, uh, we were finishing the same second round the same day. I said, Hey, I'm going to follow you all 18 help you out. I said, and regardless, you're going to play the next tournament. So just relax. Don't worry about how you play the last round. I could just kind of see him, you know, light up from that. And he shot, I think 68 in the last round and he finished third. And anyway, he went on the last couple of tournaments to be one of our leading scorers. So you never know. And, and how, and credit to him, he never gave up. I mean, he got his teeth kicked in by this game for three and a half years and, and was still coachable, still positive and still worked hard. Um, so that's a great inspiration. And then, and then the following year, uh, you know, he left and we brought the kid on that, that walked on and um, we got a, a transfer from Lafayette who had won their conference. And um, 
we ended up having a great season and we had two all-conference players, him and another uh, a guy, J.P. Miller. And we finished third in the conference and that's the best in, in school history. And, and we still only had six players. So it was it was a remarkable run. Um, uh, yeah, so that kind of, I think, validated a lot of kind of what we were saying and how to do it and how it works. And um, so, yeah, that built a lot of belief. And I think that that enabled us to recruit a little bit better. And now to your point, um, you know, we've got a good young squad this year um, and and we're, we're expanding our roster a little bit. We have nine guys now. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're seeing that, like you said, the the guys that are seniors um, were signed right when I, I got hired. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, so we're excited to see the next next two years as we keep adding to that. Yeah, I mean, college kids are as moldable as they come if we, you know, kind of provide them with the right resources and kind of whatever's going to drive them to keep going. Um, you know, a, a freshman who has a rough year can turn around and be a great senior and your all-conference freshman, if they don't kind of keep doing what they're supposed to do, can easily kind of fall, fall, fall out of the lineup pretty quick. Um, so what, you know, as a mid-major, you're in, you're at this program that's making this big turnaround. I mean, we're watching it in real time. What are you defining as success? Hmm. That, that's a great question. Um, well, um, so one of the things I, I put down in our team manual, um, is, you know, our, uh, you know, mission statement is for, for me to create an environment that allows them, our players to, um, accomplish their goals. So it's as simple as that. And, and, um, you know, part of our vision is to be, um, one of the, um, best programs in the mid Atlantic in our conference and, and competitively nationally. So, you know, that's from day one, that's kind of what we've been doing. I think, you know, Personally, I think for me, it's always to have an impact, positive impact. So, yeah, I mean, I I think there's no better way or or kind of arena to do that than, than college golf because it's so unique. And as you know, you're a great instructor. It's like there's nothing better feeling of helping somebody when they get that aha moment. And for me, a lot of times it was beginner golfers or, or kids, junior golfers or or women that were just learning the game when they just got the ball up in the air for the first time. It was so pure. And, um, you know, I think college is such a unique point in anybody's life. It's this crossroads of so many things going on in their life from, you know, for, for them athletically stepping up to a much, much bigger um arena and then uh socially they're on their own for the first time they maybe have to do their laundry and get their food and and you're you're living with a roommate and some people have never had a roommate and and now this is going to set the course academically it's it's that much more challenging um and it, it you're meeting some of your best friends that you'll have in, in, in the rest of your life so so there's all these like s such influential, uh, moments happening in this four years. So, you know, from the golf side of it, I get to recruit them as juniors. I get to coach and develop them when they're here. And then you, you get to help them go on after this and, and, and see them accomplish their goals. And, and, and hopefully they come back full circle to kind of pay it forward for the next guy. So to me, you know, that, that was the romanticism about, you know, doing what I do is, you know, when you, when you teach and, and whether you're at a club or, or, uh, you know, a golf academy or whatever you do, you know, it's, it's a little bit more transactional by nature there, you know, hour segments or whatever it is, and it's in and out. And, and maybe you have a few people that, 
you're lucky enough to see on a weekly basis or whatever, and you, you have that. And, and two, from a golf standpoint, as you know, it's really hard to make an impact with people that maybe it's once a month or whatever, because everybody's got busy other things going on in their life. And golf takes so much repetition and time to, to make a change. And we're changing behaviors. Even if it's a swing change, it's a behavior. It's, it's a commitment. So, um, and they have the time to do it, obviously. Right. Like, so, um, you know, a lot of it, a lot of when we, when we teach you're damned, if you do damned, if you don't, if you, if what you tell somebody works, oh, I'm good coach. Thanks. I, I don't need to see you for a while until you, they ultimately relapse and they're back to see you again. Or, Hey, you know, I went out and played the next day and, and that messed me up and, and I'm good. I'm good. It's like, well, nobody said to go out and play 18 holes the very next day. So, um, so yeah, so again, success, I guess for us is as long as, um, you know, we're, we're having a positive impact where the, our guys are getting better from when they got here to when they end. And I, I have a spreadsheet. We've done that with every player so far. And, um, you know, lastly, that, that, Again, we produce guys that can accomplish their goals and have a positive impact on society. And, you know, that's the one thing I could say, regardless of our, our national ranking, you know, the guys that have been, I've been involved with here are, are just the best representatives of, of our school and their families and uh, of, of me that you could ever ask for. So that to me is, is so far what I'm most proud of and, and what our legacy is. And like I said, hopefully the whole goal is that they have such a good experience here that when, when they become successful in whatever they do, that they want to come back and help somebody else uh, realize that dream too. Yeah, everything you said just speaks to building a really positive culture where people are going to stay involved in the program and success breeds success. Um, so let's, if there's a kid out there wanting to play college golf, what, what is any advice to them or what are you looking for as maybe they contact you or you're looking for recruits and contact them? Yeah. Um, the recruiting process can be confusing and, and it's ever changing. Even since COVID things changed a lot, um, with timelines and, and, and how how the biggest teams operate and then everybody else kind of follow suit so um one i mean you have to kind of promote yourself in a sense you know what people i mean communication has got way better with the internet and you know databases and junior tours we have access to a lot more information now than when you and i played you know it was hard to <laughs> I mean, I, I sent out the big manila envelopes to like yeah. 30 schools. That was like, that was the first big thing. Exactly. So, or unless you happen to get lucky and they were there watching somebody else and you see them and that still, still does happen where you see a lot of good players that, Ooh, who's this kid, you know, and then he looks good. But, um, but yeah, I would say just even as simply as put your name on your back. I mean, yeah, if you if you join the AJJ, they give you a bag tag. But, you know, if I'm watching three kids, I don't know who's who. Um, so if you have that name on it, maybe it sticks anything. Again, be proactive. Tell coaches your story. Um, write emails and, and don't get discouraged if you don't hear back from them or, you know, you, you get a response where they might be looking in a different direction. But, um, yeah, so I would say you know, that that's one thing. And then from a golf standpoint, I think you have to, if you're lucky enough, fortunate enough to have a relationship with a coach, that's huge. Um, so, and to buy into what they're saying and to listen and, and to commit to that, to get better and think of everything long-term, you know, again, I think junior golf or tournaments or even college golf, you know, there's the, the, the junior golf season short. It's basically June through August. So there's that pressure of having to perform in a short window, but it, it you may be better off implementing the change now 
and taking a few weeks uh, and, and then playing your best later. Um, because again, it's not just what we see, but from the confidence standpoint, you know, golf's a fragile game. So um, if you go into an event not ready yet, um, it, it can hurt your your confidence. So, uh, and I would try and play as much as you can uh, within reason. And um, whatever, I think whatever level you have to keep excelling at. So I, I would probably say that would be one of the things now that people maybe don't do. It's like, all right, first try and become the best junior at your club or win your junior club championship and and, and then play in your, your local junior stuff, uh, whether it's inner club stuff or whatever that may be, PGA Junior League, right? And then, you know, graduate to, um, you know, the for us, the Mid-Atlantic PGA Junior stuff or then, you know, other junior tours like the Hurricane Tour or whatever it is. And then, you know, um, your your state junior stuff as and then national stuff like the AJGA or whatever. So I think the confidence and keep developing that as you you go forward. Um, you know, it, it's amazing to me, people will will be very mediocre or less than mediocre in their own, you know, region, let alone state, but and and reach out and it's like, you know, thinking that that they have a chance. And it's like, well, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you're not even one of the best 10 players in your league, let alone multiply that out, you know, to, to who we're looking at or whatever. So I think, you know, I, I would start, start with that advice. Yeah. And I, I, I think you have to be realistic. I mean, I sent, I kind of had my 10 dream schools, my 10 realistic, my 10 fallback. And that was kind of the process I went through and contact every one of them, email, manila folder, the whole deal, um, and started going on some visits to places. And where I ended up going, um, I didn't even hear back from that coach, but I was in the area visiting another school and sent him an email and said, hey, I'm going to be around. Like, if you're interested, let me know. I'll swing by. And he it worked out, got a day, rolled out the red carpet. I was committed pretty soon after. Yeah. <laughs> um, so stuff slips through the cracks. Um, you got to be realistic, but at the same time, proactive. Yes, proactive is the perfect word. And I think in life and anything you do, being proactive is is better than being reactive. And and yeah, and, and to that point, you know, being on this side of it too, it's like, you know, people, I, I was explaining this to um, some of the, 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 the stat program guys, at, you know, trying to help them out. It's like, who's your target audience? Cause everybody wants to go after the, the top 50 or a hundred schools, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of flashier and sexier, but it's like, yeah, they're the ones with maybe unlimited budgets or they have two coaches. Now you're now three coaches dedicated to that stuff. But the reality is the other 800, you know, don't have an assistant coach and they're on very limited budgets and, and time. And, and so, yeah. So as we mentioned earlier, a lot of the coaches are part-time, believe it or not, like they have other full-time jobs. And it jobs. is not a part-time job. I was an assistant coach for a year at a mid-major and it, it, it's demanding. <laughs> Correct. So, you know, and I could guess, I don't know where you were, but whatever they paid you was not enough to live on. So you were, you were having to grind it out and do, do a lot of other stuff. So yeah, that's my point. It's like there, you know, there, most schools don't have someone just dedicated to recruiting uh, like a lot of like football and ba basketball that people assume golf has that same access to it. So like you said, don't get discouraged, just be proactive. And I think that's a great, uh, advice is have that list. And, you know, one of the things I, you know, I, I try and help people with or their coaches with, it's like, all right, here's where your kid is. Here's kind of what a coach is going to go through, what they're going to look at and where you're in the pecking order. These are the, the, the type of schools and where they're ranked and whatever that would be interested. And, um, you know, based on your other, criteria, maybe size of school, maybe a geography or region of where you want to be and maybe academically majors and and maybe cost. Um, 
you you put together your list and we can help you kind of kind of go through that yeah absolutely um you know i i would say that where george mason is now fits into you know the criteria i had i wanted to be dc or lower i wanted you know a certain level of academics and i wanted ranked you know 50 to 125 or whatever it was at that time like that that was what i fit in i, I emailed every school that fit that criteria <laughs> and that's yeah, what it felt like i could play yeah exactly and you know a lot of it we've you know yeah like i said i had a strategy per se about you know who we could focus on but it was more like I said, had more to do with within our region. Um, but, uh, and it was because of a restriction in, in resources on our end. Like I'm not flying to California necessarily to recruit or, or internationally or, or wherever. So, but, um, but yeah, but what's evolved into this is, you know, we have gotten a lot of Virginia players um, and, we 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 we're getting kids that, like you said, a pre they want a, a great academic school, and we could offer that. And especially in a couple, uh, you know, different areas or degrees that that George Mason really excels in, and we're probably in the northernmost spot where you can play twelve months. Like you said, in terms of golf, that's big for people, um, and then our proximity to a major city. Right. And, that, and even some of the golf courses you guys have been able to gain access to. Why don't you speak to that? And then kind of along the same lines, I was, um, you know, you are still playing at a very high level. You won the section uh, championship this year. Is that, did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, yeah, as far as the first part with the, the area we're in, we're, we're lucky we're unique. So we're in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. So the other DC area schools, they're in the city and, and whether you're George, Georgetown or George Washington, or, um, you know, a lot of these schools, there's five, five DC schools, uh, within the city proper. Um, they have challenges that we don't have in terms of, you can't have a car if you're a student. Um, obviously it's a completely different university experience, you know, being in a city as opposed to, you know, our campus is is much more traditional in that sense. It's got a lot of trees and, and water and, and you know, it's more that iconic uh, campus kind of look to it. Um, but yet we've got access if you want to drive into the city and, and go to a Caps game or, or a Nats game or go to all the restaurants or the monuments or whatever else. So for us, we're very fortunate. We're very close to Dulles and, and Reagan airports. Um, so yeah, so the school has a lot to offer. And I think that's why this whole area in general, the growth of the area is helping the growth of, of our school. Um, you know, we're the largest school in Virginia already. So people don't realize that, but um, yeah. And because of that, we're in the area with most of the country clubs. Yeah. So accidentally, again, um, that's one of our advantages. And we play to that. And one of the the models, again, whether it's like Northwestern or somebody like that, where, yeah, we don't have our own university course, but we have the next closest thing. I mean, Country Club of Fairfax has been such a great partner to us for a long time. They're literally across the street from the school. And and during the week, they they give us great access. And as you know, most country clubs aren't busy during the week. So our guys can play and play, you know, quickly. It's, it's not a five hour round at all. Um, and so they, they embrace and the synergies with the university have always been good. And then, you know, we, we supplement that um, with getting access. I think last year we played nine different courses. Uh, you know, the courses we've played, you know, and most of many of them will play multiple times, but it's been uh, a Bellhaven Country Club. Uh, we played Westwood, Chantilly National. Um, we played Creighton Farms, the Nicholas Signature course. We played uh, both Trump courses. Um, so, so we even played our, you know, Robert Trent Jones Golf Club that's hosting the Solheim Cup in the fall. So, um, and there's international country club here in Fairfax. So 
yeah, we're we're so fortunate. There must be 20 country clubs within 30 minutes that we can get to during the week. And, you know, a lot of the clubs, understandably, they're busy enough with their members. Access on the weekends is very challenging. But for us, you know, for our guys to get out of class and to go drive 30 minutes and to play other clubs is is great for their the growth of their games and their diversity of their games, but it's also great for uh, the members because a lot of them went to school here. And that's, that's the other unique thing is, you know, like 80% of our graduates stay in this area to work. So, you know, again, I, I went to Penn state, nobody stayed in state college. So people, you know, right here are very loyal and, and have gone to school and they're, they're looking to support, our guys and and us and and we appreciate that yeah and for for those that you know aren't familiar with the area or whatever that you would be hard pressed to find a collegiate program that plays a better set of golf courses regularly and when you throw in at the tournament schedule um there's almost no one in the country that's playing uh such a great slate of golf courses throughout the year yeah so let's wrap it up by kind of talking about your game um section pga section champion um, you know, you're busier than most people would probably think as a college golf coach. What are you doing to keep your game sharp? Are you, are you taking money off the guys? Like what, what's going on? <laughs> no, well, um, uh, of course not, Alex. That's, that's <laughs> against the rules. No, but definitely, uh, it's a two-way street, right? I've benefited from, from, you know, pl- playing or practicing or just watching and observing them. And, and I, you know, I just thought, um, you know, again, one of the things that would help me as be as a coach is to never forget how hard the game is. Mm-hmm. And because it is, it's it's a maddening game. It's a really hard game. And uh, you know, nobody tries to miss a three-foot putt or hit a ball out of bounds, but it does happen. And so, yeah, you know, one of the things I often tell the, our guys is I'm not gonna ask them to do something I haven't already done or I'm not willing to do right now. So I think, I think with that in mind, they know like, oh, well, you know, it's not just old man, you know, at the cloud. So, so yeah, I, I think that's important to keep challenging myself um, and, and just to become a better coach and learning new ways. And like I said, whether it's data and analytics or, you know, swing methods or, um, you know, using, using, you know, swing catalysts or force plates or, or whatever it is, um, that that's helped my game and, and, and myself as a coach. And, and, and like I said, I, I, I have an extra special pride of, of representing them when I go play and, and that's really, you know, helped, helped our team with, with those relationships with so many of the other great instructors in the area and, and pros and facilities and, and so, yeah, so I'm not going to lie. I, I had been playing better this summer, um, and but uh, it, it was still a surprise. Uh, yeah, the, the Mid-Atlantic PGA, the section championship at Baltimore Country Club in, in September, which was just as our, our season was starting. Um, the only thing was, I love that course. It reminds me of the classic courses in Pennsylvania where I grew up. And the last time uh, I, I, I qualified for the the national PJ was there as well. So I, I had good vibes there and, and yeah, I'm not going to lie though. It's been a long time. It was a three day event and, and having the lead uh, or part of the lead every day. Um, you know, I was nervous and, 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 you know, again, I was trying to close the deal for our guys and, and, and practice what I preach. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget. I, I coached at South Dakota state for a year and our director of golf had just come from Tennessee where they were ranked number one. Um, as their player development guy and so second day of practice we just started qualifying and we're watching and he goes you're gonna get so much better just watching these guys because they're raw and you're gonna notice every mistake <laughs> we're gonna try to patch them up the best we can but at least you're gonna learn and be a better player I thought I still might play later again but um, you yeah. know it's 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 a fun uh, way to uh, make a living that's for sure it is it is I, I I'm I'm lucky and and you know hopefully uh, I, I know you're following your passions and you, you've been very good uh, in, 
your different things that you've gotten into from from coaching and and doing this but uh yeah i i i i haven't i have busy and hard days but i i haven't had a bad day so you know and that's like i said i'm i am lucky to to do what i enjoy awesome well thank you so much greg that was a quick you know hour and a half but we're gonna let you go um i'm sure you got work to do it was great having you on and yeah if anyone has any questions about anything we talked about i'm sure we can both contact either one of us social media i'm sure we're happy to get back to you um thank you and uh see you guys later see you thanks <laughs>